0: witness this is one of those spiritual words that can be so loaded for many it's a scary word that brings up religious wounds of guilt and shame others have abandoned this idea entirely to simply practice good works but what if we just stop take a breath and start over what if being a witness has more to do with who we are than what we're supposed to do. What can we learn from the forebearers of our faith, the Bible, and Jesus himself about telling his story with our words and our lives? It's time we redeem, reframe, and reclaim this word. It's time to become a witness. Well, good morning, Elements. It is such a joy to see you all this morning and to be with you and to celebrate so many beautiful things today. I just feel a spirit of joy and hope and energy in this room, and I hope that you do, too. I am Pastor Melody. This is Pastor Benjamin. We are welcome to all of our guests that are here today to celebrate these wonderful things. And um, we are gonna close out this witness series today in our gathering this morning. And we've been talking kind of about what the bumper just said about reframing this idea of witness and what it really means and how it's so much more about who we are as Christ followers than it is necessarily about what we do. Although it is about the doing, the doing flows from the being because we have witnessed Jesus. Those of us who have invited him into our lives to transform us to be the sons and daughters of God, we have witnessed a transformation. We have witnessed a spirit alive in us. And so when we share that, we are sharing not just this is what the Bible says, but this is what I have experienced in my life. Right. And so we've learned about that and we've looked back at what it meant for the first disciples when they actually witnessed Jesus himself in the flesh. And we've talked about what it can mean for us here today. And so today is a day that I've been looking forward to in this community, because today is a day that we're going to share some of these stories that we are going to bear witness of what we have experienced with Jesus. And so we have a few different elementers that are going to be sharing today, and Benjamin and I are going to share our stories. And if you have something that you'd like to say, be thinking about that, because there'll be a time for you to share as well. So our first witness today is actually going to be joining us by video, and it's my dad, Skip. Uh, my parents, Skip and Susan, have been longtime faithful online viewers. And so, Dad, we will welcome you to share your story with us today.
1: Greetings, my friends. I am delighted to be with you today to just chat for a few moments about some really important things in life. As life moves along, our list of things that we enjoy doing probably modifies. (laughs) And when you get to the stage of life where I am, there are certain things that stand out as the most important things that you do, the most enjoyable things you do, the most rewarding things you do. And this is one of them, uh, actually being able to share with others my story. You know, it began a few years ago. (laughs) And uh, I was raised in a Christian home. My father was a pastor. I was a good boy. Everything that went along in my life in those first years seemed really good. And one Sunday, I got on a Sunday school bus to head to Sunday school. My dad was in evangelistic work at that time. And so we tended to go on the church bus to Sunday school. I walked into the class that morning, not knowing what an impact that day would have. But as I sat down in that room with about, oh, 10 or 11, 10 year olds, the teacher began teaching. I can't tell you today that I remember the lesson. (laughs) I can tell you, however, that I remember what happened in that little time together. It was only about 40 minutes. But as he taught the lesson, he came to the conclusion and he said, I want to ask you each a question. I have since come to understand that that is life's most important question. There are many questions you will be asked during the course of your lifetime, some of which have great impact, some of which have almost no impact at all. But this one was life's most important question. He was talking to us that morning about Jesus. And he asked the question, do you know Jesus? Well, I knew about Jesus. I mean, since I was two weeks old, I'd been in the front row of the Of the church. I was always well behaved. (laughs) I can tell you anything I want because nobody here to deny that at this point in time in my life. But um, I I sat in that class that morning knowing that I knew about Jesus. I had heard the stories of Jesus. There there are other questions you could have asked. He could have asked you, do you read the Bible? I would have said yes. He could have asked, do you believe the Bible? I would have said yes. He could have asked, do you behave yourself? I would have said yes. He could even have asked, are you a Christian? And I probably would have said yes. Because at that point in time, my whole family were Christians. We went to church all the time. Every time the church doors were open, we were there. So I I knew about Jesus, I read my Bible, I believed my Bible, I went to church, I was a good person. But somehow in those moments, as a 10 year old boy that morning, I knew that wasn't the question. The question was, do you know Jesus? And he said, I'd like to invite you to meet him today. And so there were three of us who stood to our feet turned around and knelt at the chairs in that Sunday school class. And he led us in a very simple little prayer. I asked the Lord to forgive my sin, to come into my heart, to change my life. And I thanked him for doing it. I stood up, turned around, sat back down. (laughs) There were no golden staircases. No angels ascending and descending up and down from heaven that I could see. But I am told that something of eternal significance took place in those moments. Old things passed away. The sinful nature which was mine by birth passed away. And all things became new. And indeed, I was born again as a child of God there is no more profound experience in all of life no more profound question in all of life you see Jesus is either who he said he is or he's deluded or a liar he claimed to be the son of God the one who came to pay our debt for sin to forgive us and make us brand new. And on that occasion, in that classroom, that morning, that's precisely what happened. Old things passed away. All things became new. Well, I've been walking with Jesus now for over 70 years. And he's never, never, failed me. He's always there. At the mere mention of his name, life comes alive. At the mere mention of his name, the room is filled with his presence. And so I say to you today, I recommend Jesus to you do you know him? Not just in the sense of knowing about him or stories about him, but in your heart. Do you know the Son of God? He will transform your life and make all things new as you trust in him. Thanks for listening.
0: I think it's a pretty beautiful and powerful thing to experience the perspective of someone who's been walking with God for 70 years. I remember when my grandma would tell her story and she walked with him for 90 plus years. And it's, it's pretty beautiful to uh, listen to the weight of the experience of all those years. So thank you, Dad, for sharing. You know, sharing these stories is a really, vulnerable thing we opened this up to element to to share these things and I realized in thinking about my story that I I've never actually shared that particular moment in my life of all the years I've been a pastor I've never shared it with you and you know it's vulnerable because it is a moment of transformation in our lives like Brett said it is the moment of explosion right it's where the story takes its turn but I think for a lot of us, maybe it's vulnerable because it doesn't feel like a giant explosion, right? Many of us grew up around the church. And like my dad's story, yes, it's a beautiful story. And yes, it was the moment of transformation in his life. But it's not like he was, you know, strung out on drugs for all these years and in prison and then found Jesus. Those stories are epic and huge. And yes, that's an explosion, right? But for so many of us, the story maybe feels feel simple. The story maybe feels like maybe nobody would really care about it and it was just an experience between us and God. But I can tell you that every story matters, even if yours is just as simple as the ones that you hear today. So I will share my story with you. I grew up with that man as a father. So you can imagine that I was exposed to Jesus and the Bible and church and all of those things since I was a tiny baby. Not only that, but we also had a youth camp where we would bring kids, countless kids in every summer, and we would teach them principles of dynamic living and leadership and goal setting, but we would also introduce them to Jesus. And so every summer, five times a summer at least, I would hear my dad tell the story you just heard. And I would see all of these teenagers be transfixed by it and make choices to follow jesus because of my dad's example and the other examples of the leaders that we had at circle a and i had plenty of experiences in church but i will say that my deep spiritual experiences came at circle a in that community and and listening to my father so I, I was a well-behaved child as well, which they're not here to deny that, but you probably believe me. <laughs> and I would sit in all of the services from the time I was very, very young, like baby. I would sit in the two to three, three plus hour services that we would have at Circle A. And I would listen to the stories, my dad and the other counselors who would share. And it was right before my fifth birthday, which I realize is very young right before my fifth birthday that I asked my dad one day. It was near, it was, it was after camp had ended, because my birthday was in September, so it was after the last session had ended that summer, and I had been attending all the services, and in the services at camp, my dad would always ask the question, what do you do with Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And after hearing it enough, and after seeing these kids transform enough, even at that young age, I knew... That I, I wanted to know Jesus. And so I remember sitting uh, at our lodge that we had in Michigan on the steps coming down to the main dining room. And my dad and I sat there one afternoon and I asked him what it means to know Jesus. And he told me and we prayed a prayer together. And that was, that was my moment. That was my moment of receiving Jesus into my life. And I, I was not quite five years old, but I do remember it. I also remember that right after I prayed the prayer to ask Jesus into my life, my dad asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and I really wanted a little people zoo, and I also remember that. So it's a memory that I have, I don't know. It has nothing to do with Jesus. Um, so that is a very young age to accept the Lord, right? But that, that's just the true story of what happened in my life. But I will tell you, because I was so young, there were, there were times in my younger years where I wasn't sure, like, did I do it right? Was I too young? Does it count if you're that young? And I remember one time at a v- vacation Bible school, I was probably 10, and they had a very scary clown, and they told me I was going to hell if I didn't have Jesus in my heart. And so I did go up to the altar again and pray again, just in case, because the clown was very convincing. <laughs> so I also have that memory, my path to the Lord. But there's one other time that I want to tell you about, because I feel like it's important to tell you about, especially for those of us who have maybe grown up around the church. Um, I was about 13, I think. And again, it was a summer, and we were getting ready to open another session for camp. And before we would open the camp, and I've never told this story, so my parents don't even know this story. Um, before we would open the camp, we would have a staff meeting where we would all pray together and it was always a very deeply spiritual time the The spirit was with us, and it was always there was always beautiful worship and beautiful prayer and beautiful preparation for the kids that were going to come and Then this particular day, um, I was sitting there i wasn 't a counselor, I was only thirteen probably, but I was sitting there in the meeting and um The spirit was just moving. And my dad played this song by Dennis Jernigan called I Don't Want to Move. And as he played it, everyone in the room was weeping. It was just a moment of of the spirit. And the words in the song, the, the chorus said, I don't want to move from this holy place. For too many times I've resisted your grace. I don't want to move. From your sweet embrace and the nearness of your face, I don't want to move from this holy place. And I felt the words of that song so deeply in my spirit. And I knew something was changing in my heart that in that moment. And my dad was praying or saying something about commitment. He was speaking about the word commitment. And in that moment, like, I knew... There was a commitment in my life that was beyond something that I'd experienced before. And I knew that this song about I don't want to move from this holy place, what I felt God saying to me was, you never have to move because I'm with you. My spirit will be with you now and always. And so... Whatever that moment might be, maybe it was the indwelling of the Spirit. Maybe it was just a more mature decision. But it's a moment I will always cherish and never forget. And always know that I don't have to move from the holy place because Jesus is in me. So that's my story. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to um, do something very beautiful. Excuse my tears today, but... um, we're we're doing three generations of this this morning because my daughter Kayla is going to come up and share a story as well. So if you guys would welcome Kayla. We have to put the shoes on because that's how we do it in this family.
2: Come right here. Hello. <laughs> I want to tell you about it, about, I want to tell you about how I experienced God's transformation before I was even born. Before my mommy had me, three different doctors did a scan, and every single one of them said I had a hole in my heart. They, say, they said I might survive if I stayed in the hospital for a few months and had several surgeries. My mommy and my daddy and my whole family, especially my G-pops, um, I call them my G-pops, <laughs> um, prayed a lot that God would heal me. As soon as I was born, a bunch of doctors rushed me out of the room and carried me to a different one. They did all the tests, and it's a miracle what of what they found. There was no hole in my heart, not even a trace of it. Jesus was already at work in my life before I was born. I grew up hearing about him and his love for me. And when I first heard the story, the whole story, that is, I was very happy and felt very loved. When I decided that I wanted to get baptized, I was in my house on the couch talking to to my mom and praying. I chose to ask Jesus into my heart, to forgive my sins and make me his forever, ever since I prayed the prayer and got baptized here at Element, I've known that Jesus has special plans for me. I can feel him giving me extra love and grace for people, and I know he will be with me all with, always be with me.
3: Thank you, Kayla. What a special Mother's Day, huh, Mom? Um, Well, we're gonna continue telling some stories and we have Miss Liza, there she is, Um, who's gonna come and share a story with us.
4: Good morning, I'm so excited to share my story. Um, I was I kind of, like what Miss Melody said, I was like, oh my gosh, I could share stories. I could share so many stories. I have lots of stories. And then I was like, a lot of those stories are very deep and vulnerable. And this is gonna be in the interwebs floating on Facebook. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to start um, and share from a place of some of the things that were kind of coming up in me as we were going through this witness series. Um, The Women's Bible Study, we just ended a a study about the Exodus story and the Israelites um, going and crossing the Red Sea and kind of going to the Promised Land. And it was a really amazing study, Um, but it kind of began to stir there in me, even before we did the witness study, this idea of bearing witness to our stories how when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, God instructed them to look at what they were carrying, like to take things with them as they crossed the Red Sea, things they would need. And what came up in me was the things that, were, that I carry, the things that God has placed in me, and the things that I have carried as a witness in my story. And so um, when I was a little girl, I am an only child. My mom is here today. She's fabulous. She's in the back. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a very small Southern Baptist Church in Tampa. It's over 100 years old. And it's called El Bethel Baptist Church. And at five years old on a Sunday night, without previously prepping my parents or telling them of any decision I had come to or made, We had a traditional altar call at the end of every sermon at our church. And I remember as a five-year-old little girl knowing when they were like, do you want to come and accept Jesus in your heart? I remember so vividly feeling the love of Jesus and knowing that in a strong way. And I felt the spirit of God. And I had this moment as a child and I got up out of the pew and marched down the aisle. Um, I think my, my mom recounts now the story to me that she, my dad was like, what is she, do- what is she doing? <laughs> and my mom, in all of her grace that she has done my whole life, said, let her go and let her listen. And so I asked Jesus to come to me. And as I have witnessed that story time and time again in my mind, as I've grown now as a 33-year-old woman, I have rested on the trueness of that voice that spoke to me. And continues to speak. And I have known now one thing that I have learned from the witness series that was discussed, but also being a part of Element, is that as we witness our stories, these moments, as we witness our places of growth and healing and pain as human beings and the way that the voice of God is continuing to speak to us, that is for us all to witness together. And so the second story I want to tell you is a story... um, that I hold very dear for many years. I was a teacher. I taught high schoolers. <laughs> and so when Bobby was talking about the cup of cold water that you bring to people in these small ways, as a teacher, you bring buckets of water <laughs> every morning for yourself, for all of the 125 students that you get to see that day. And um As a teacher, I think that I understood and learned the very visceral truth of God's redemption and how he grows us all, but the importance of us witnessing those stories of each other and what that means for the kingdom of God. And so I want to tell you a story of a student that I had. Um, Teachers will tell you they don't have favorite students. They are lying. They do. There are students that stick with you, um, and you just can't help it. Um, I was a second, this is probably my second year teaching, and this student, I taught juniors and seniors, which was terrifying when you're 21. So you have to come in guns a-blazing, and I did. So I had kind of garnered a bit of a reputation. I was a bit of a strict teacher. This is how I survived, so. Um, but this student comes to me as a senior. I had never had him before. Um, I had taught some of his friends, but I didn't really know him. So he came. He had never taken an AP class before. I taught exclusively AP. So these were all very like specifically college-bound kids that were like rearing and ready to go. So he came, and um, like any good teacher does, I had a seating chart, which I love very much. And he just so happened to sit in the back of the row, and he was terrified, rightly so, because I had a reputation, right? He had never taken an AP class before, he had heard from his friends, this was a bit of a class, a lot of work, but that you would learn. And so over the course of the school year, I got to know this student, and he was very quiet. You could tell he kind of wanted to disappear, probably because I was a lot. I was very animated, very excited to be a history teacher. And um, as I got to read his work and the written responses that he would do for his tests and the essays that he put forth, I couldn't help but just kind of be perplexed why this student, like this is the first time he's taking an AP class. Like he's a very brilliant student. He, you could tell that he, I don't think he really realized the potential that he had. And as I got to bear witness to his, really, his growth as a human being and growing into his own ability and getting to encourage these things that I saw in him that were really a gift to me but were ultimately going to be a gift to him and all of the people that he would meet in his story. And so I began to talk to him a little bit more after school. I would have, like, study sessions and I would really, like, get to know my kids. So. Um, during that time he began to tell me he wanted to go to college and college is not really something that like you know he anybody in his family had yet gone to and so I was like that's great this is wonderful news you have potential you can do this this is fabulous and so having the opportunity to kind of speak to that in him and to see him grow well in order to do that he needed a scholarship which meant that to apply for bright futures you have to have like a thousand million hours of community service so start gathering them now young children and so um, he asked me for community service hours and I was wonderful I said absolutely I will turn you into my afternoon slave you can staple all the papers copy all the papers write all clean all the desks do all the things so he was happy to do that well it gave me an opportunity to kind of learn more about him more about his dreams more about what he wanted to do and bear witness to more of his own becoming. And so he eventually, like, he passed the AP exam, which was huge for him. He went to college, and we remained in touch because there was, you know, certain kids that I said, once you graduate, you know, you can friend me on Facebook. And if you need anything, use my email. I will, I can write a recommendation letter. We can still take, uh, be in touch. But I, I didn't necessarily, as a public school teacher, there are, there's, you can't necessarily like share your faith in front of the class or tell them directly about Jesus. But there was a lot of connection and a lot of Jesus, I was essentially sharing with him in a lot of ways and that he was sharing with me. So we remained in contact and he was in college and he reached out to me and he said, you know, I would love to come to your church. And I said, great, I come to Element Church. And now that person is here. It's Charlie, (laughs) our awesome Charlie. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm embarrassing him, I'm no, and I'm telling this story because as we wear bear witness to other people's stories, and we bear witness to their becoming and their redemption and their growth, like, we are essentially threading the kingdom of God together, and all of us here at Element are so much better, because Charlie is here. <laughs> And we love him and we are gonna continue to thread and he bears witness now to more than just my story. He bears witness to all of our stories and we get to bear witness to his. And it's this beautiful tapestry of connection and the kingdom of God that is such a wholly important work. Um, And so thank you for letting me share my story.
3: Thank you so much, Liza, for sharing and bringing us Charlie. By the way, Charlie became an engineer. A full-blown engineer, a real one, not a pretend one. What's a pretend engineer? I don't know. But he's a real one. Uh, Brett says I drive trains. Well, it's my turn and um, I wanted to Briefly share my what we would call in Christianese my testimony, right when I was growing up That was the word for your story of how you gave your life to Jesus, right? so I also grew up in church shocker and um, I also was the son of a, a music pastor and so that May seem like that was an obvious path for me to at some point become a Christian but if you have heard the legends and myths and stories of PKs, or pastor's kids, if you don't know the lingo, then uh, like Chris, for example, then uh, it may not be always a given that those kids are going to, you know, uh, become a Christian or live, live a life for God. But um, we were, you know, in, like they say, in church every time the doors are open. And if we were there and the doors weren't open, my dad would unlock the doors And we were there. So um, I would go with him early on Sunday mornings so that he could set up and prepare and all that stuff. And uh, we're in Sunday school class in the mornings and discipleship training on Sunday nights and royal ambassadors, RAs on Wednesday nights for the boys and GAs for the girls. So I was there all the time. And this was a church that, though it lay directly on the buckle of the Bible belt in northeastern Alabama, um, was, for all intents and purposes, a New Testament church. It was a church that was preaching the gospel from, yes, from, on Sundays from the stage, but also people with their lives and their words. And um, so I heard the gospel hundreds and hundreds of times um, and so by the time I was in second grade, um, I started to feel something inside of me that felt like sort of a burden. Um, and a, you know, I'm a seven year old kid and I'm feeling like this burden. So I asked to talk to my parents. So we went home from church and sat on our, eighties, uh, ugly brown Chevron fuzzy couch, um, that I could just pick out of a, out of the lineup, because I know it so well and how it felt, and I can just feel it, you know, sitting there with both of my parents, and um, so they talked through the gospel with me, and I remember that it felt personal that time. It wasn't just hearing it as a part of a church service or um, at the end of a church service or whatever. It was personal. And that gospel story was speaking to the heaviness of the burden that I felt in my little seven-year-old heart. So they prayed with me, and I received Jesus there on our couch, 120 Jason Drive, Oxford, Alabama, 36203. That was a zip code. Um, And um, so I went to school, and the next day, and I told my second grade teacher, Mrs. Reeves, because I knew that she was a Christian as well, shout out, Ms. Reeves. And the next day she brought me a card. She had written a card that said, I'm so proud of you that you have received Jesus into your heart. And it was awesome. Um, so that was so encouraging, you know, to just come, come along behind that moment and, and encourage me like that. So fast forward to seventh grade. Um, I was getting a little angsty as preteens and teens are want to do and um, so I was getting a little weirded out and a little worried about this salvation thing, right? So again, I talked with my parents, and um, and they said we were about to leave to go on youth camp, to youth camp in Florida. And um, so they said, pray about it and calm down, and it's okay. And let's go to youth camp, and we can pray that maybe God can speak to you there. So I talked with some people there, and I'm pretty sure that did I did I prayed to receive Christ again in seventh grade <laughs> in that kind of a way. And um, so, and then, we fast forward from there, and into my sort of early college years. And... I, at one point, became sort of consumed with this doubt and this worry that sort of a what if, like what if none of those times took, right? What if, what if none of those other prayers, what if I was too young, what if, and so I had really gotten to a place where I was just stuck. I was really stuck inside with this doubt and this worry, so I talked to my mom. She said, among other things. She didn't just say go read first John. She said a lot of things and then she ended it with go read first John. And so I did. I started reading first John over and over. And by the time that I got done reading that after a few times, I the the doubt and the worry was broken down and was released. So what I did was I by myself in my in my bedroom, I opened my Bible to the back and those blank pages. And I wrote in there, I belong to God forever and ever. I am joint heirs with Jesus. What is his is mine forever and ever and ever. And I feel like inscribing that on something, right? Building that monument, that altar, that pen to paper in that Bible, and writing that down, it's like, you know what? Never again, never again do I have to fear or worry or doubt about this. So... I had two explosions, as Brett had talked about a few weeks ago, in your story. Um, the first was, was with my family um, when my, my parents' marriage was breaking apart. We were all older, but still kind of exploded everything, right? And it was long, and it was drawn out, and it was difficult. And uh, But we got through it, and then the other one was about six or seven years ago now. Most of you guys know, I went through a season of of clinical depression. And that was an explosion too. Maybe an implosion might be a better way to say that. Um, and through that, um, I just had to be still, I just had to stop almost everything. And I just had to be still. And I just had to land on at the end of the day, I don't know much anymore, but God is going to be a soft place to land for me that's all i knew that he had me that and that's like all i knew that was it and so i would land on that for like two years but coming out of that season i involuntarily was shoved into a season of deconstruction and if you're not sure what i mean by that um lots of people go through that and in fact i think anyone that is really wanting to follow jesus You're going to go through that. And that's okay. It's okay. In fact, it's good. It's good. Because that is a season where you can become disillusioned, where you can shed illusions and definitions and ideas that we've plastered all over God so everything can be neat and easy and sure and certain, right? And those things started to crumble and break apart and I didn't know what I knew anymore. But through prayer and talking with people and reading and listening and more reading, I got to the place of realizing that it all comes back to what Skip said. What do you do with Jesus? Because Jesus is at the center of everything. And so that's the question, what do you do with Jesus, with his life, with his words, with his invitation to you, with the question, who do you say that I am? What do you do with me? And when I came back and I said, you know what? All of the questions, all of the struggles with the Bible, all the stuff that I was deconstructing, Really, none of that matters if Jesus isn't my starting point. I start with Jesus. When I am a dad or a husband, I start with Jesus. When I pastor or work or do whatever I do out there, I start with Jesus. When I approach the Bible, I start with Jesus. I don't start with Exodus. I start with Jesus. And then I read Exodus. You see, because I realized Jesus had to be the center of it all. And when I realized that, it was like coming back home to that ugly, chevron, brown, fuzzy couch. And I realized that I gave my heart and my life to Jesus on that couch. Those other times of fear and worry and doubt and praying again and not sure, those things were, I think... Expressions of church and Christian culture pressure to be certain and to nail it down and get it right. And that creates a lot of pressure, at least for some personalities like me. And so I think all that fear and worry and doubt was pushed out of me where I forgot the first love, the first moment when I was seven years old and I didn't trust that moment. So if you have a story similar to like what's been shared today, where you gave your heart to Jesus and you were very young, guess what? You can trust that moment. Like Liza was saying, you can trust Jesus in that moment, that the same Jesus now is the same Jesus that spoke to you and rescued you in that moment as well. Because guys, how do we see the kingdom of God? How do we enter the kingdom of God? With faith like a what? Like a child. Like a child. That is how you see the kingdom. It's the only way. And I'm not saying if you're not a child anymore, out of luck, sorry. No, I'm saying like a child, right? That's how we see it. That's how we enter kingdom space with God. So, um, last year, my aunt Linda, Aunt Linda, if you're watching, hi, she watches all the time. Um, back in Alabama, she sent me a text on October sixth, and she said, "I have on my calendar that today is your spiritual birthday." And I said, "And then I'm pretty sure it was PTL. You're my brother and my nephew. Praise the Lord, PTL. <laughs> Christianity is texting." So, um. And I said, wow, I didn't know the day. I forgot the day. It's really actually not extremely important to know the day necessarily. But I said, I I've forgotten that. Thank you so much for telling me that. And, and now I know that day on the couch with my parents, it was October 6th of 1980 something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'll do the math later and I'll update. Update you. But um, that was the day. And she sent me that last year. So that was such a blessing to hear from her. So now I don't focus on being certain or being sure or wrestling with doubt or deconstruction or all those things. I don't, I don't focus on that. I focus on Jesus at the center of my life. And I focus on the fruit that I see and that I want to see and will want to produce in my life the fruit of how i treat people the fruit of how i lead how i serve how i show up and i and i look at the desires of my heart and i desire what god desires i mean in the biggest picture i mean sure i still you know struggle and in and, and things like that but i desire what god's heart desires i desire for a new heaven and a new earth. I desire shalom to cover this world and rush into each and every heart. I desire for brokenness to be healed. These are the things that I want because my heart belongs to God. And so that's how I know that I'm his and he is mine. I'm in him and he is in me. So... We, I think we um, are going to need to play this last song, um, so the band, you guys can come on back up, and this song, um, if there is a song that could be a testimony or a story for all of us, for all of creation, it would be this song, it's called, So will I. So let's pray, and then we'll sing it. Lord, we're so grateful for these stories we were able to hear today. And we know that each soul in this room has a story, too. And we thank you for all those stories. And we thank you that um, each of these stories, God, is on a journey toward your heart. God, we pray for those that, um, if their story hasn't crossed paths with your story, with the gospel, the truth, that Jesus is who he says he was, that he is the embodiment of everything about God that he was the Spirit of God that was made flesh so that he could join us here. So that he could become one of us and live this life with us. So that he could show us the way to live, show us the way to love, and teach us what's the most important a simple gospel of saying yes to new life in Jesus, to forgiveness that leads to transformation, that leads to the transformation of others, that to love God and love our neighbor like Jesus loves us is the main thing. Jesus came and he taught us that, and then he was killed for it, And in that, showed us the way to live is to surrender, is to die, because that's where the new life can sprout and grow, and transform the world. We thank you for a simple and beautiful, life-changing, world-changing gospel. So, name we pray, Amen.